Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strebel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Now, the, one of the great complaints by the liberals is that the book of Daniel was written in 165 B.C. All right, if the book of Daniel was written in 165 B.C. and uh, a man, and they object to Belshazzar, they say that there was no such man ever lived as Belshazzar. The two historians of the time, Herodotus and uh, Barossus, or whatever, how you pronounce his name, anyway, they know nothing of Belshazzar. The world knew nothing of Belshazzar till 1800. They got to digging with a spade down there in Babylon, and they dug up clay tablets, and they found a clay tablet with the name Belshazzar on it. They kept digging, they found another that had uh, Nabonidus and Belshazzar. Well, who's Nabonidus? Everybody knew Nabonidus. He was the last king, according to uh, profane history, of Babylon. But the world never had heard anything about Belshazzar. All right? And then they kept on and they found another uh, a document, a tablet, that where two men took an oath uh, in the name of Nabonidus and Belshazzar. And the, uh, and the law was, in the days of the Medes and the Persians, you only took an oath in the name of the reigning king. Well, why Nabonidus and Belshazzar? Because Nabonidus was Belshazzar's father. Nabonidus was a man, according to history, he just traveled. He was a very religious man. He was a historian. He always wanted to dig for ancient history. And he was always gone and away from Babylon. So he appointed his son, Belshazzar, as king. And Belshazzar was the king that was reigning the night that the handwriting on the wall appeared, see. But now here's the point of the objection. The objector, the critic, says that Daniel was, uh, that this book was written in 165 B.C. And the world, nobody knew about Belshazzar. How is it that a Jew, they say that the book of Daniel was written by some pious Jew in 165 B.C. and put the name Daniel to it. All right, uh, but the case, well, if that's the case, how did he know so much about Belshazzar? Nobody else knows it. See? Now then, history has uncovered it, and today the, these people that have voiced that criticism, they're silent as a tomb about that criticism no more because history has proved them wrong, and history has proved them wrong about on all these other counts. Uh, well, all right, let's. Uh, uh, let's go back to Daniel now. Uh, the first chapter. <clears throat> in the in the first chapter, let me point out the the things that the critics say it is not so. In verse one. Uh, they say that Nebuchadnezzar, the word came, came Nebuchadnezzar. They say that that's not so. 
uh, in verse 3, they say that there was no such man as Ashpenaz. They say that that man, never was, the reason why they deny it uh, is because they never found his name in history. And uh, then uh, in verse 5, the three years, they, uh, they say that uh, uh, that's phony. And then in verse 6, now among these, talking about the uh, captives that Nebuchadnezzar brought to, brought to uh, Babylon, now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, and they say there was no such man as Daniel. And then, uh, so, uh, well now that's uh, points of history. Now, the criticism of Daniel is based on historical statements, on uh, language, statements of the language, difference in the writing, because the Bible tells us that the, that was, right, the, the reason why the critics say that uh, Daniel couldn't write uh, this book, did write it because he was too young to understand the Chaldean language. But uh, they forget that it was that God that gave understanding and wisdom to Daniel, you see. Uh, and so uh, instead of being an objection to the uh, writing by Daniel, it's uh, a plus mark for Daniel for the fact that he wrote the chapter 1 well, this has to do with the Jews. What he what he wrote to the Jews, he wrote in Hebrew. All right, now then, what he's writing to the Chaldeans, what happens with reference to the history of Cal, uh, uh, in in Babylon, and what affects the Babylonians, he puts in the Aramaic language. And then when Daniel starts in uh, in chapter eight, uh, writing uh, uh, what affects the Jews again. Why he starts writing in Hebrew again, and uh, so it. it uh, <clears throat> all right, uh, the book of Daniel is objected to because it's prophecy. Now, prophecy, the very first, uh, of course, prophecy is telling. It, it, nothing in the world but history pre-written. Uh, it's uh, uh, telling you. What events and how events are will take place? Uh, it it foretells that it prophesies that it tells beforehand. All right, the first prophecy that was given uh, is in Genesis three fifteen, and it was given like all other prophecies. That's yeah, all right. Yeah. Uh, because of failure of sin, of departure, declension, of uh, backsliding by the people of God. Uh, you see, God gave the first prophecy. It was after Adam's sin, about uh, the seed of the woman. See? All right? Then, when you as you come on down through history, I don't care uh, who it is, even to the days of Jesus, when do you find the first prophecy that Jesus uttered? He didn't utter one in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. He didn't uh, utter any prophecies as he went up 
and down his early ministry in Perea, Judea. Not even in Galilee. It was only as John says that he came unto his own and his own received him not. See, it was after the people had rejected him. It was after the people, the, the religious leaders, they, they, they never did believe in him. Of course, they rejected, they rejected him from the start. But their hostility arose after he claimed that he was, uh, that he came down from heaven. That he was the that that he that uh, he had power on earth to forgive sin, and in in Matthew twenty four, Jesus utters a long twenty four and twenty five. He looks out upon Jerusalem, and he says, "Old Jerusalem, Jerusalem, see how oft." And then that's that's how chapter twenty three closes. Twenty four opens with Jesus and his disciples on the Mount of Olives, and he sits down, and they ask him, he said, look at the temple. Uh, and uh, Jesus says, well, not one stone be left upon another. See, he told them that when he came out. And they they said, well, that's too great a building uh, for it to fall. It's, it, it's impregnable. So they, uh, but then he told them, he said, one, one stone be left upon another. And then he says, nations arise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there'll be wars, and rumors of war, see, uh, and so. But now, we don't have that great prophecy of his second coming until after the, he had renounced, brought, uh, and predicted judgment upon, uh, upon Israel, upon the Jews at that time. See, and that's when Jerusalem... And was and then seventy A.D. and it was uh, destroyed. Well, uh, now the uh, prophecy is given for two uh, prophetic study is given for two reasons. A prophet was sent of God for two reasons. He was to warn the nation, rebuke them for sins. Prick their conscience, stir up, uh, 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 rouse them from their uh, sleep, and at the same time comfort the faithful. You see, uh, Elijah. Oh, he was uh, he, uh, uh, he he he's an interesting character. When uh, when you uh, think about him. God tell him to go out, Charlie. Now you go over here to Brook Cherry. Hide yourself. Now, you know that's, that. That don't look like that's. That don't look don't like there's any sense in that, did it? Why? If he knew the judgment was coming on Israel, and if he knew that it wouldn't rain, no dew or rain, except at his word. Why don't, why didn't God let him go up and down, uh, Israel, Samaria, Ribla, all of the different, uh, cities, Bethel, down south, Hebron, let him warn the people. But no, God says, you go back, you turn around and go east, and you hide yourself. And he stayed hid. But, uh, he, he delivered his message. 
And uh, after he, uh, uh, after the great victory that God gave him on Mount Carmel, you know, uh, he uh, fled and then he got scared of Jezebel and uh, uh, then he wanted to die, you know. Wanted to get in the cave, wanted to get in the hole, give it all up. And what did God tell him? He says, I've got 7,000. You see, that 7,000 needed comfort. Prophecy has a twofold purpose. It's not to satisfy the curiosity of the future. A person that uh, that studies prophecy or is expecting to find in prophecy uh, the the, uh, the his uh, fancy or his uh, everybody wants to know. I mean, there's a, there's well, what's what's in the future? I'd like to know how it's going to happen. How it's going to come out? We like to know what's going to happen in Palestine, especially right now. What about that? See? All right. Uh, prophecy is not given just to satisfy, to tell you how the end's coming. But it's to uh, uh, bring us and bring Israel, the nation, and whatever was given. It demands, first of all, a separation from God, uh, from the world. Now, right here, you find that Daniel, the first, first thing you find in this lesson here, you found Daniel, three Hebrew children. They said that now we won't, uh, we don't want the king's meat. We don't want the king's wine. Well, what are you going to eat? We'll eat vegetables, puffs. That was some sort of vegetable. And water. And, and, and uh, they got, finally got permission to do that. Now, uh, that shows you that the period of time, the conditions had changed. And what, what, uh, 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 even though God brought revival and gave a revival through Josiah, after he had discovered the law, and after they were preaching that, see, and after he would turn down the high places and the idols, yet God had decreed. Uh, God's judgment. He doesn't. Uh, he, he he doesn't said it's enough. Judgment's going to fall, and he announced that that uh, that judgment was going to fall. Now, uh, in Genesis 15, uh, and and when God dis, uh, when God makes the prediction, uh, it can't be changed. He uh, in. Uh, 15th chapter uh, of Genesis, verse 13, And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And you'll notice that that's always... Now God brought Nebuchadnezzar against Jerusalem, didn't he? And yet, what did God do to Nebuchadnezzar? He, God used Nebuchadnezzar to bring to, as his instrument of judgment on, uh, on the southern kingdom. And then he turns around and uh, brings, causes Nebuchadnezzar to eat ox like a, uh, eat straw like ox. All right, and, and that's the way it was here. 
with reference to Egypt, said, uh, And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. You see? All right. Uh, now, all right, let's, uh, let's look at... Uh, at these boys again. Verse 7, Now unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Now, see, he, he, he wrote their names in their book, in the Chaldean language. He changed their... But, uh, these boys' names had, was written in another book long before Nebuchadnezzar was ever born. And you'll see that Daniel, verse 8, purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now that's a prerequisite to study the Bible of any, any time. I mean, nobody, I don't care who the man is, uh, he may learn some of the historical and the mechanics of the Bible, but he'll never learn the Bible unless he's like Daniel, unless there's been a purpose in his heart. See, he had to live right first. See, now uh, you notice that uh, in Jeremiah, uh, in uh, you know they say that the critics say that there's no such uh, person as Daniel. Well, Jeremiah on two different occasions. Uh, I mean, Ezekiel, on two different occasions, uh, records the name uh, Daniel with two other men, with Noah and Job. Noah and Job are recognized, known in the Bible, as men that please God. See? All right, now Ezekiel says... Uh, that the wickedness of the Jews was so bad prior to their captivity and during their captivity that not even Job, Noah, or Daniel could deliver any soul save himself. Now, what did Ezekiel mean? You see, uh, Abraham had... Ask God if he found ten righteous, will he spare the city? See? Ten would spare a whole lot of them. Alright? Now, he, uh, uh, Ezekiel is showing that Daniel, how, how godly Daniel was, how, what, how he lived. Uh, and he says, now Daniel, though he was righteous, though he was like Job, though he was like Noah, yet, he didn't have any righteousness to spare. Didn't have any to build up. He couldn't have spared any other man when God's judgment fell. So, uh, Ezekiel, uh, answers the critics. But they say, but they reject, you know, see, Ezekiel was, uh, uh, spent his time in Babylon. Daniel spent his years in Babylon. Daniel started with the Babylonian Empire. In other words, when Nebuchadnezzar came against Jerusalem, that was the beginning of the Babylonian kingdom. 
and Daniel lived in Babylon as a, uh, an executive, as a man of importance. Sometimes for a while he apparently was, uh, was neglected, was shunned, but then he was remembered and they called him back into duty, you see. And uh, they got his, used his wisdom and his piety and so on. Alright? Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but Ezekiel lived during this time he knew Daniel. And he could bear personal testimony to how, how Daniel uh, lived. And, uh, I, and when these liberals get through, uh, denying the book, why, they still haven't destroyed the character of Daniel. Alright, then, uh, uh, <clears throat> the reason, you'll notice that the changing of names was, uh, is very familiar. Back when, uh, Jehorkim, Jehorkim, that wasn't, that wasn't what Josiah named him. Josiah named him Eliakim. But uh, the Egyptian king, Pharaoh Necho, had his name changed to Jehoiakim. And then when Nebuchadnezzar uh, would point uh, uh, Zedekiah to the uh, kingdom, to the throne, why, they changed his name. See? His name wasn't Zedekiah, it was Madaniah. So there was a change of name, and uh, and the Pope still do that, you know, they when they elect him a pope, why, uh, he'll be so-and-so, but after that he'll be Pope John II or something. John Paul II, see. Well, <clears throat> that's the history of... Uh, but <clears throat> I think uh, I think the reason that Daniel, that Nebuchadnezzar wanted these names changed, the names uh, of Daniel meant God. Every time that E-L uh, is on a word, on a Hebrew word, it refers to God, see? And uh, and that was a mention, a reminder of Jehovah's God. And uh, the other names had to do with, uh, with Jehovah. And it was always, every time their names were mentioned, it was to show that God was the only God to worship. So Nebuchadnezzar wanted to, he, he wanted to give them names of their God. And he turned around and gave Belteshazzar, uh, Belt's prince, see, Bel's prince. That was, that was Nebuchadnezzar's God. But yet that's what, that was Daniel's name in Babylon. Belteshazzar. Shadrach, Rach was the, uh, sun god. So, uh, he named them after the gods of Egypt. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.